guys, how's it going? Welcome back to episode 47, another episode of SoCal Watch Reviews. Uh, with me, I got P. Ross. P. Ross, how's it going? Yo, yo, up early in the morning. It's 10 a.m. my time, and I'm very tired, but we're about to do this. For Ab- sure. Absolutely. 10, 10 a.m. P's time and 7 a.m. my time. Let's do it, P. We love this. This is why we do this. Uh, but today we got somebody very special with us. I don't know if you want to introduce them. I'll let you do it. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll pass it to you, sir. All right, absolutely. You got you to gotta make it hype, though. Make it hype, bruh. I don't know. I don't know if I can, but I will definitely uh, try. Today yeah. uh, with us, we got a, a friend of the channel, a friend of the podcast, a friend of us, Mr. Nicholas from Fierce Watches. Uh, that you? you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. Thank you. Thank you. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Yo, right now, we have a great guy, you know what I mean? The head of Fierce Watches, you understand what I'm saying? Nicholas, what's good, bruh? Hello, guys. I feel like I should have fireworks going off in the background now. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's yeah. quite an intro. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. It's uh, it's a bit later in the day here. It's uh, 3 p.m. in a very damp and wet England, uh, mm. which is why I've got my my cup of afternoon tea with me. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing well. It's great to speak to you guys again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, and before we move forward, I guess we got to do a wrist check. Uh, we'll start with you, Nick. Uh, and can I call you Nick, by the way? Nicholas seems a little, a little formal. Okay. With friends okay. Now, it's, it's Nick. Absolutely. Uh, so today I'm wearing uh, Redcliffe number one, which is Ooh. one of my personal watches uh, with a blue dial. This was the first watch we made in 2016 when I restarted the company and I own it. It's one of my absolute dearest watches because it symbolized so much sort of, you know, struggle and hope and actually building a watch and restarting the family business. But you'll also notice it's actually on a, a bracelet as opposed to the usual leather strap. So, uh, yeah, this was this was a, uh, a this isn't a prototype. This is just a twelve pound eBay bracelet. But I fancied trying something different. So yeah, cool. Enjoying wearing that this weekend. Cool. Very cool. Uh, P. Ross, what do you what do you rock? Um, vintage Caravelle from nineteen sixties. Belova zone. Okay. Okay. Um. Well, today I, in honor of our friend Nick, I am wearing the vintage gerard perigo so i haven't worn this guy in a while but i i I had to do it i had to do it for our friend nick uh he i I just love seeing your ig page and how you dress and it's it's always an inspiration like man i gotta dress up more (laughs) so it's it's always i do i do that gp i think that's just it's it's the epitome of just kind of a smart classic dress style watch you know but it's not too not too dressy like you know with the jump you're wearing, it's absolutely perfect. Like it works really well. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. I I, I try my best. <laughs> so you've been you've been a real busy boy. We had you back on episode what was it, thirty one May third, and through the like start pretty much of COVID, it was kind of crazy. Obviously now it's been it's been a little while. So just wanted to ask how you been and um how's how's fierce watches? Obviously I think we know the answer, but just want to hear from you. How's how's everything during COVID? Well I mean that was 
that was the thing I was thinking when uh, when we were messaging about about organizing chatting today and I was thinking yeah May May and May 3rd I mean that was that was still the UK was still in like proper lockdown and and yeah I mean it was a completely different time I mean if if you said to me like when was that period of my life I would honestly tell you that was like five years ago um things have changed so much now admittedly the UK is sort of teetering we're going back into lockdown at the moment so you know it's sort of like we've had a good summer of freedom and now it's going away but no that was uh yeah that was a very interesting time certainly sort of the darker days of of 2020 for me but fast forward to today and yeah I I won't like it's I'm in a good place uh the company's in a great place it's it's been tough. Like it's been really, really tough. Um, but I'm pleased to kind of be able to sort of not feel too optimistic or too sort of overconfident, but like, it's nice to kind of go actually all that hard work and taking that second job to save the company and keep the employees going. It's, you know, we, we, in the last few weeks, we've been upping people's hours working for fears. So, you know, it's really nice that we've been in that position that when things did begin to turn, we were able to, be there ready and well i mean as i know we're going to be chatting today i actually launched some new watches during a pandemic year and i mean mm-hmm. i have to I can't, on launch day i kind of had to pinch myself because the day we announced and launched those watches was six months to the day when i started my first job at asda walmart doing the night shift and yeah, i was but- like what yeah. a six month that's been, you know. <laughs> that's insane. Maybe a lot of people don't know this, but do you want to shed a little bit of light on yeah. that? I know you had to get a, a, a part-time job to basically keep the, the company going. So, Well, I mean, this is the thing. It's sort of, I think everyone, like you just said, everyone goes, oh, it's a part-time job. I was working the full, full-time. Oh, you hour. were? Oh. But mm. the difference is I was working those at nighttime. And then during the day I was running the company. And then other than that, I was sort of knocking myself out with sleeping pills for six, seven hours to try and get some sense of normality. I know when we were speaking, I was, it was on a a Sunday and it was because on that Sunday, I like the Monday morning shift started slightly later. So I could talk right at the end of the day. I mean, it was, it was a crazy time, but yeah. So basically we go back to February, March and sales started going down and then they stopped. Like they just went to zero. Um, in April, we sold one watch strap for £145, so like $180. That was our turnover for April. And that was very scary. But I was very adamant. I did not want to let any of my team go. Um, part of running a family business is, is that commitment to our suppliers, but also, most importantly, to our team, you know, to the guys and girls who who have chosen to work for fears right and you know also when you're in a privileged position to be able to run your own company and on top of that you know i i you know by absolute luck of birth i have all this heritage like you know my great grandfather hanging behind me you know i'm very lucky that we we have all this heritage and and with that luck and with that sort of privilege there is the balance which goes, you have to take care of people. You, you can't just enjoy the good days, right? And so Absolutely. back in March, it was like, right, we've got to, you know, close the showroom, close the offices, you know, sales have gone to zero, you know, this is bad. And so I took a 100% pay cut, which then bought the company several months of extra payroll and cash flow. Um, 
and then obviously I've still got like a mortgage and bills to pay and you know all of that so I then you know needed to uh so I I, you know closed the office on a Friday and the following Tuesday I was doing my first night shift you know it was a case of just going out there and knocking on all the doors and handing out a CV it was it was very weird I'd not written a CV in 10 years and suddenly I was there like you know literally just queuing up like handing in my CV but I'm glad I did it because if I hadn't done it I probably wouldn't be chatting to you today still running this company so you know yeah it was it was worthwhile 100% yeah crazy very inspirational very inspirational Extremely inspirational. Bravo to you. And I'm pretty sure your employees could, they maybe love you even more now. I mean, you're an amazing guy, but to do what you did to keep their jobs going, to keep the legacy going, that's, you had to do what you had to do, man. So congratulations to you. So for sure. I mean, it's uh, next year is our 175th anniversary of Fears first starting Mm. um, back in 1846. And so that's kind of, that was always a beacon, you know, and also, when you've got portraits, like, you know, this chap behind me <laughs> yeah. started working in the company in 1904. So he was working for fears through the First World War, the Second World War, the Great Depression, you know, right up until the quartz crisis. So you're kind of going, if he did it, I kind of have to do it, you know. Yeah. There's no excuse. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to be called a millennial snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, wow. man. Well, I'm happy for you, and I'm, uh, I'm glad that we're – talking to you it would have been very very sad if your company went under but you were never going to let that happen and and now that you went through this i mean gee this is going to make you so much stronger you could you could pretty much go through anything you know so it certainly gives you (laughs) feeling of not not overconfidence but that feeling of like things that used to scare me do not scare me now. You know, yeah. when you're just like, okay, you've, you've got to temper your sort of, you know, bullish attitude saying, oh, we're going to launch this and do it. But it makes you just go, actually, and also, you know, certainly over here in the UK, I know it's very different in the States, but like when launching New Watch, we could, obviously couldn't do a big event, which was how we'd normally launch it. There were no red bar meetups, time for a pint meetup. So we couldn't, I couldn't do what I usually do and get watches in front of people. But what I ended up doing was spending a month going and seeing people individually around the country. And, you know, that was a huge amount of traveling and a huge amount of like, you know, going here, there and everywhere. But it helped, it worked because, you know, it still meant we got, I got to see and connect with as many people as possible. That's cool. And I think that's the thing, like, you know, things can survive, but it's just a lot harder, right? You know, absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. No. But you did it, man. You did it. <laughs> yeah. And in the midst of all this, you came out with two new releases. The Bronzewick yes. Salmon, <laughs> which sold out, and the mm-hmm. Bronzewick Midas Silverdale. In your words, can you tell us a little more about each one? By the way, that salmon is fire. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I it, it definitely is. I ain't, oh I'm not God. surprised that sold Ooh. out. Yeah, I am not well, surprised. I'll tell you what, the crazy thing is both of those watches, they were never on the launch plan for this year. They, were, they, they weren't at all. And it was, I won't lie, it's literally when you're spending hours at midnight stacking shelves, you have a lot of time to think, a lot of time. To, and I'm, when I'm doing a job where I don't need to, like you obviously need to concentrate what you're doing, but you don't put your entire thought into it. I'm not someone who just daydreams. I'm always someone who's thinking about and you know, being inspired. And I, it, it's not as a direct link as saying like, oh, I was inspired when I was, you know, putting out the fresh salmon and I was like, I need to make a salmon dial. Right, <laughs> it's, right. it's, 
it's not quite as easy as that. But, you know, I, I spent many hours thinking and in my head by, you know, by the end of a shift, I, I'd kind of des- designed the watch. I'd worked out how we would do it, how, what colours, textures. Um, and then as soon as borders reopened, I went straight over to Germany to meet with the dial maker and was like, right, we need to do this. And because I had made a point of paying all of their invoices as we went into lockdown. So I'd actually honoured all our commitments. They were like, you know what, you want to make something? We will make it straight That's away. Cool. Like you've gone to the top of the production, you know, priority list. Um, but yeah, so we've ended up, yeah, launching two new watches, creating, developing and launching in one year. And well, in six months. But what I like about them both is they're a little more classic, a little more traditional, you know, Last year, we brought out our Brunswick Blue, which is definitely our more contemporary watch. Right. Um, but these kind of, they're classic, they're traditional, but they're not leaning too much on the heritage. You know, there is no single watch in the archive which looks like either of them. And I'm really pleased with that. You know, they are they are fears, but they are not like, they're, they're not a vintage watch. And for me, that's quite important. Cool. That, that's awesome. Even the numerals, right? I mean, you hired somebody to design the numerals for you and everything. Yeah. So I've known, I've known this chap called Lee, um, who on Instagram is one hour watch. And he does, I, I first met him because he does these amazing watch illustrations every day. And he, he does these beautiful, very, some of them very quirky, some of them very detailed, uh, but these lovely hand illustrations. And last year I'd commissioned an illustration for my office from him and we'd got chatting and then it turns out, He's got a master's in uh, typography. And so typography being the sort of fancy word for creating shapes, letters and numbers. And so I'd kind of said to him at the start of the year, I was like, it would be really interesting to like create a modern set of numerals for fears that aren't just a vintage set. Right. But they, they feel like an evolution. Like they feel like the numerals that fears would have made. And so before lockdown, he had actually been to the office, gone through the archive, like taken lots of photos and sketches and kind of absorbed a lot of information. And then was when we were in lockdown, I was like, right, well, let's get these numbers designed. Let's get them made. Let's, you know, create a new typeface, um, which he named after the founder of the company, Edwin. So even the name is kind of, it's got a little quirk to it. But um, cool. I love the news because they're, they're classic, but at the same time, quite modern. Yeah. Which is a really difficult line to tread. Now, would you use them again for anything else? I mean, was that or, or somebody else? Is is that a is that the way that you want to go for the future, or you know, hiring so, somebody to design? Well, I think it's it's interesting. I for me, I like the idea of, and this this is, you know, this is this sounds a bit wild and a bit over ambitious, but like you know, like you you refer to like the Breguet numerals. Or, you know, oh, well, those numerals are, you know, they're, they're Cartier style, you know. Right. And, you know, you've got different sort of shapes. And you're like, oh, well, they, they clearly belong to that brand. Okay, so where are you going with uh, this, Nick? <laughs> yeah, and you, I, I kind of like, actually, the big thing that I've always wanted to do with Fears is that, you know, say in 50 years' time, you pick up a, a new Fears watch. And, you know, I'll probably still be working in the company in some some role they'll be like oh crazy old man nick you know we leave him in his office all day but <laughs> i i like the idea that if you look at a watch and then you look back at the stuff i was doing in you know this year you can draw that line you can see that and i think part of that is by saying 
to build something that is, you know, it's, it's very easy to say like, oh, what we do is, is timeless or, you know, other buzzwords designed for a lifetime and, you know, all of this. Okay, great. But if you really want to do that, you, you, you go down the lines of my old employer, Rolex, you know, you, you have few limited models and you keep evolving them, not changing them. You know, you look at a date just from the forties and a brand new one. Yeah, they're different, but they're a bit like looking at a Porsche 911, you know, yeah. You look at one from the 60s and one from 2020, you can see the evolution. And I, I think there's something very strong, powerful and confident to do that. Now, the downside is it means you're not able to bring out lots of whizzy, exciting, different looking things all the time. Right. That's not fierce. That's not me. Like, I'm not whizzy and exciting. Like, I'm, I'm much more like, no, 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 let's just keep it calm. We know what we do best, which is elegant, understated, very British. And let's just do that. Let's focus on that. And that's why the the fact that the salmon sold out so quickly, and we've actually sold out of the first three batches and the fourth mm. batch. Wow, congratulations. potentially sold out as well. Now we build very small batches. And that does mean that when you suddenly sell out, you can't just build, you, you know, you can't just say, oh, well, we'll build another 50. It's like, but the fact that so many people clearly feel you know feel enough affinity or feel the same really is for me very humbling it's very like okay it's not just me on my own sat there in canterbury in england going i like to make elegant watches it turns out other people do actually like that you know in a world that's dominated by you know divers and chronographs and it's nice to see that actually what we're doing isn't fighting that it's just different from that you know it is very different Right. It is very different. And I applaud you, to be honest with you. It is very difficult as a company. I would imagine, obviously, I don't have my own watch company, but I would imagine it's a little difficult to say, we're going to introduce something new, but it still has so much of the DNA of the old. And you hit the nail right on the head with Rolex. I mean, as much as people hate Rolex for changing a millimeter on their watch and calling it new... It is what it is. I mean, that's the the formula to success, in my opinion. That's what's kept them Rolex, right? I mean, you could ask anybody that's not a watch person. And like you said, show them a Datejust, a Mariner, Daydate, whatever, from the 40s and a modern one, and they look the same. Yeah, they look mm. different, maybe one shinier and a little different, but they're the same the same thing just like a porsche and i've said it in a, in a podcast episode before you take an omega seamaster a modern one and a vintage one they don't look anything alike <laughs> they're completely no. different completely different watches so i like well, what there, was a, uh, th- th- there was a really interesting line that um on the hudinki article about the new rolexes and i think um, it was written by stephen pulveran and he he said um you know, this is potentially the most significant launch of the year or something along that lines. And lots of people were like, oh, no, it's not <laughs> yeah. boring. But it's like, OK, well, to use a car analogy, like it's massive news when Mercedes bring out a new S-Class. Why? Because it's seen as being like a sort of industry leader in that field. But also they don't bring out a new S-Class every year. You know, if you look at how long each model lasts, it's like the Submariner. You know, the last Submariner came out a decade ago. I mean, the watch has not changed in a decade. That is, in in 2020, in our modern world, where new watches come out all the time and everything's limited edition, right. to go, they literally have got the, you know, they've got the confidence to go, no, this is it. And also the fact that, again, they brought it out. And yes, we've got the new Kermit with the ceramic and all this, but 
there's still only seven models of Submariner, some right? You know, yep. you've got two in steel, two in yellow gold, one in white gold, and two in uh, uh, in two-tone, and that's it. And I'm like, I, I really admire that, especially in a world which is all about hype and limited editions and drops and all of this. It's sort of, it's old school. And some people think it's very arrogant and like, oh, they didn't do enough. It's like, oh, come on. Like, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you know, when they brought out the original uh, ceramic submariner, that, that changed everything because that then meant that everyone who brought out a dive watch had to have a ceramic bezel, right? You know, it right. sort of, it sort of sets the new standard. Yeah, exactly. Right. If what that does now, because effectively the difference is the movement really, right. You know, there, there's no yeah. real difference in the materials or obviously the design. If what the industry takes from that is going, Oh, actually, we can just calm down a bit. We don't have to keep bringing out loads more references and model, you know, models all the time. I think that would be a really good thing. I think it's actually, mm. you know, if, if everything, especially in the watching just calms down a bit. I mean, we see it in fashion. There's so many, you know, fashion companies bringing way too much, you know, clothing to the market. To be honest, it's kind of similar with watches. There are so many watches and I'm all for competition. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I want as many new watch brands out there pushing it Every, anyone who can push me harder by releasing better and better watches i'm 100 percent behind that but at the same time there is a bit where there is too much out there and you know certainly the big groups suffer because they well i mean i'm, I'm not crying a tear for them necessarily but they make too much stock you know too many right. products which end up on the gray market or have to be bought back and destroyed and i don't know Anyway, sorry, I've gone completely off topic there. <laughs> no, well, I, you I ask me one question, I'll give you an answer to another one. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that, and that's why we like having you on the show. You, you, oh, yeah. you open your mind. A lot of brand owners don't don't talk the way that you do, and and that's why we had you back. We 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 love talking to you. But one of the things, obviously, we we already touched about uh, you getting another job, and maybe fears even closing those doors at one point because of the coronavirus. So, I guess let me let me kind of touch on that again, and just kind of ask: new releases for 2020 were. It's fair to say, and make an assumption based on what you're saying that they weren't even in 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 line, right? I mean, did you even think there was going to be anything new for 2020, or even for 2021, for that matter? uh in the beginning of the year was that in the in, in the plans or was that a just a last minute decision if you will yeah because i think it's interesting like what sparked it in your brain like yeah yo right what we're gonna do this and you know it's gonna be a success right so i think there there, there was I'm one of these people, I, I, I like a plan, not because you're meant to have a business plan, but I just, I like to have a sort of roadmark of, roadmap of what I'm doing when I'm bringing things out. And I had a plan of what we were going to bring out in 2020. Um, most of that has been either paused indefinitely or pushed into next year. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of the spark, I think it was suddenly going, actually, things like a salmon dial I, I kind of thought oh I'd love to do that a salmon dial but I'll do it in several years time you know I, and then I just suddenly was thinking actually no I I really want to do that like I, I think it's a lovely beautiful warm color in January we had um 
a donation made to the archive of a little lady's uh, cocktail watch, tiny little thing. Okay. And it had one of these old, um, so Fears used to call their salmon dials copper dials. So it'd be like right. available a copper dial and certain select models, you could option them with a copper dial. And so when we got this watch in the archive, it was amazing because we'd never seen one before in the flesh. We'd only seen black and white photographs or illustrations. And so it sort of was that thing where for years I'd wanted to do a copper dial or a salmon dial. And then suddenly we get this watch in the archive and it's sat there and I'm looking at it most days going, oh, here's a nice color. And you know, when they're sort of, you've got those two things, but they haven't yet connected. And then it was literally that, that point, you know, working night shifts when my brain wasn't thinking about much else. And it just, those ideas just sort of come together. And I'm very much a, I can't just sit down and go, I need to be inspired. No, I can't. I, I, and I don't have a way of going like some people go, Oh, I'm most inspired when I've got bits of certain music on, or, you know, there's a certain scented candle burning or not for me. I, I can be inspired the most mundane moments. You know, I can be in the, the, the checkout line at the supermarket and suddenly I'm like, this is exactly what the company needs to be making and doing. And uh, my, my, my sort of the team member who's kind of my, my second in command gets very frustrated because I'm very good at suddenly firing off voice notes, which don't make much sense. Go like tomorrow we've got to investigate this and maybe do this. And we, you know, and the next morning he'll be like, okay, great. Do, do you actually want me to do all those things? And sometimes you go, no, actually I've slept on it. And no, it's not a good idea. I think that's, that's the thing. They always say like, a creative is a child who never grew up and because children don't they don't stop their imagination and their creativity by thinking mm, is that practical could we right. do that can't and i'm always someone who thinks you know what let's try it let's see if we can do this can we do a surface finish like this and recreate this certain color because i think if you're not scared of someone saying no then it allows you to create things. And I think, you know, I, because we had this vintage watch, which had this particular very coppery salmon color, because that's the thing. Our salmon is a really coppery salmon. It's not a very pink salmon. And I so I, I, I jokingly described it to some people early on when they said, oh, it looks very, uh, yeah, it looks very coppery. And I said, well, look, put it this way. This isn't, this isn't farmed salmon fish. This is like line caught in a river. You know, this is organic. <laughs> this guy. It's you know, rich. It's like, it's beautiful. But, you know, suddenly you're talking to the dial maker going, well, how do we do this? And they, they're like, hmm, give us a moment. We'll go away and think about it. And they're very German. So they won't just commit to anything until they can commit to it. And they went away and they thought about it and they did some experiments and, and then suddenly one day I get a phone call and they're like, we can do this now. Okay, great. And it turns out it's by, you take the disc, um, which is brass, and then you basically coat it. So, so uh, like a plating okay. in uh, several layers of 18 karat rose gold. And then you also put in a layer of copper. So real copper. And what that does is it creates that warmer color. So a bit like how with our Midas watch, it's bronze and then coated in different layers of and carat weights of gold gives it that unique color. We just did the same with the dial. It's suddenly just thinking outside the box. And I'm very proud to say that and I'm very pleased and very lucky to work with suppliers who I'm a tiny client to them, but I'm also one of the more like 
let's try this. Let's do that. Rather than just saying like, I need a salmon dial. I don't care what the color is. Just make it. And then we'll put it on a watch and launch it. I'm obsessive about every detail. And I think because they care about what they do, like they are craftspeople. All the dial maker does is make dials. All the case maker does is make cases. It's a more complex, expensive way to build a watch. But it means that when you're talking to the production guy in the workshop, he's like, give me an afternoon and I'll experiment. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a try. That's cool. For me, that's, I love that. Like, that's just fun. And at the end of the day, making a watch should be fun. So, so what was the uh, reaction from your team in your office when you presented the salmon dial and the uh, the Midas? You know what I mean? What was their reaction to you this? You mean when, when he brought it up, like, right. hey, we when, do this? Yeah, we going to oh, do this. It. You know got what it. I mean? What was their reaction? Crazy Nick. <laughs> Go back in your office. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so at first, it was sort of a bit like, should we be thinking about pouring money into developing new watches and dial colors? And like, you know, the, the dial is not, not cheap to make. So they were like, should we be spending money on this? And I'm like, I know it's a bit of a risk. And, but it was interesting because then when I got the first sample dials through, I showed them, everyone was just like, these are, these are amazing. These really are good. Um, they look special. And also, cause we, the way we've done the applique numerals, the special bespoke numerals, they're milled to 0.5 millimeter thick, which means that they are considerably thicker than normal numerals on a dial. So when you're looking at it and you tilt it, you can actually get shadows from the numerals. It's like having a sundial on That's the awesome. dial. That's and cool. when they saw that, they were just like, what made you think about that? And I'll be honest, I was like, well, it was because when I went over and was spent a day with the dial makers in Germany, you know, we were chatting about different things. And they suddenly said, one of the guys was like, oh, there's something we could do if we make those numerals in-house rather than getting them made in Asia and shipping them in. We can mill them ourselves on our CNC machine, which means we can make them any height. And so we're like, well, let's do it. Let's just see what it looks like. And I mean, I think that's one of the most standout features um, is by actually having these really 3D like ignorance of, you know riveted on the dial um but yeah no the team were pleased it's very interesting though because once everything was fully built uh there were a few people who were like i like it but i prefer the blue and i like that i want that i want i, I don't want everyone to look at a watch i make and go oh i really like that i want you to love it or go ah it's not for me and actually i showed yeah. it to a few of my existing owners who who own you know a lot of the watches we've made and for some of them, they were like, take my money. I want one immediately. But for a lot of others, they also were like, it's nice, but no, maybe it's not for me. It's not for maybe me it's then. a little too traditional, too classic. And I think what's nice is that as one brand, one company with, with a strong DNA, we can do both. Like, you know, now, of course, neither is going, you know, for us, traditional and classic isn't going the full sort of Breguet style with, you know, Roman numerals and stuff. And going contemporary isn't making like a Richard Mille. But it's nice to see that the Fears DNA is elastic enough to be able to do, go both ways. Yeah. Cool. That makes cool. sense. It absolutely makes sense. Um, your leather straps look amazing. And you can tell they're high quality, just like everything else you offer. What percentage of the sales would you say the straps make up for? Ooh, now 
It's a difficult one thinking exactly the percentage. I know, I know certainly how it feels in terms of, suppose so this way, if someone buys a watch, half of the people who buy a watch within a week or two will buy a second strap. Okay. Mm. Um, and what we're now finding is because the first watches were being shipped back in well, November 2016 when the relaunch took place, we're now finding that those people are actually coming back to fears to buy a new strap because okay. they're still wanting to, you know, it's that thing of saying, actually, because we've always paid as much attention to our straps as we do our watches, it's going, actually, yeah, you, you own a fears watch from 2016. You're not about to suddenly necessarily buy a brand new, you know, Brunswick salmon, but by buying a strap from us, yes, you're getting a beautiful strap. It's handmade in Belgium. It's made properly and, and, but you're also getting the whole fears experience for just a strap, you know? So it is that way of kind of going, actually, you know, you can reconnect and, you know, you can get the, you know, and the straps come and we, we package them beautifully. And because all of our straps all have easy release spring bars, it means that, you know, you can literally fit it yourself. And I think people, especially, you know, for, for, for guys like yourself, like you've got the tools, right? You know, you want to change strap even if you've got to get out something and you you can do it in a couple of minutes on your way out the door right for a lot of people they just they want to fit a new strap or but it's a hassle because you've got to take it to like you know a cobbler's or a watch store and get them to fit a new strap and the, the range is really limited and you know and if you take along your own strap they don't want to fit it and you know it's it's sort of it feels like a struggle whereas i think actually yeah if you could fit it yourself that's lovely. But in terms of kind of overall, I mean, straps are certainly becoming a bigger part of what we do. Um, and we now make a lot of bespoke straps for people who oh. don't own a Fears watch. You do. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. You offered that service. <laughs> well, especially if, if, you know, Seiko owners with 19 mil lug widths, we do so many 19 mil bespoke straps in loads mm. of leather colors. So you know, it's something we don't publicize, but we just do it. You know, every month we're making a lot of straps for people. So it's nice. Someone doesn't necessarily have to buy a Fears watch to still be part of the Fears family, you know. Good to know. Cool. All right, guys. So we talked a little bit about bespoke uh, straps. And I, I want to I dig deeper into that, Nick, just because I am so intrigued by it. I've been working with a lot of different strap companies uh, as of late and I'm a, I'm a very frugal individual I don't want to use the word cheap I'm a very frugal individual and I rather spend my money on watches I just got to be honest straps is part of a watch but I rather spend the money on a watch so recently I I, I actually received some sailcloth uh, luxury straps I guess is, is what is considered by Artham they're in Australia very nice uh, quality and I could totally tell the difference almost 90 bucks uh, i know to some people it's a lot of money and especially myself you know when i got contacted i was a little on the fence because i was like how am i gonna make a video about this and try to sell people on this or try to showcase this when me myself i wouldn't necessarily spend the money on this but completely changed my mind the minute i got them from the presentation to the actual product and I actually been wearing them. I actually got them wet and they became even more supple. I was just blown away by the quality. So I, I could totally tell from a, a, a different, I guess, price perspective when you, you get what you pay for, right? So so let's, let's talk about that. Uh, when you say bespoke, 
how far do you take it? How do, how do people pick the straps out? How, do, how does it work? How does the whole process work? Well, it's really interesting you're saying about like noticing the, the difference. And I mean, this, a, a yeah. watch strap is 70% of what's on your wrist. When you wear, when people say, oh, I'm wearing a watch, 70% of it is the strap. And yet it usually accounts for like barely so 5% the value of what's on your wrist. But it, a, a strap makes or breaks a watch. And I know when so speaking true. to friends who are watch dealers, you know, they'll put a watch out and no one is interested in it. And then they'll change the strap for a different color, a different material, and it will sell like that. You know, it's just, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous how it goes. And I mean, for our side, when we're about to launch a new watch, we, we spend a long time thinking about what color strap it should be, what material, because it can completely change people's perception. And I, I think with straps, there really is, you know, the more you pay, you, you generally will get a better strap. And I think, you know, a good example is, so my car, which is a 17-year-old Jaguar, and it's it's worth barely a thousand dollars like it's really old but i love it it's my old dark blue jag but it's got leather interior and wood on the dashboard yeah Mm. but when Mm -hmm. you get into my parents volvo they own a volvo estate it's got leather interior and wood but the leather in their car is soft and it's beautiful and when you touch it it's just got a suppleness and the wood the the polish on the, the walnut is just, it looks like wood. Whereas in my car, I know it's real wood, but it looks like someone's kind of stuck a photograph of wood on my dashboard. Like, <laughs> And it's the thing where you go, technically they're both leather interior and wood dash. And yet they look and feel completely different. And I think it's the same. It's especially when you start talking exotics, like people go like, well, so our, our alligator straps are around $400. People are like, $400 for an alligator strap? I can go on eBay and buy, and you go, fine. But A, what you're buying, I mean, I I don't want to question how those poor alligators lived their life before they were turned into a watch strap. But (laughs) actually, when you look at it, it won't be the nice, big, broad scales. It will be like, you know, it's sort of, yeah, technically it's alligator, but it's like the cheap bit of the the crock, you know? Yeah. Um, Hey, who knows if it's alligator? Maybe it's dog or cat. (laughs) <laughs> right, right, right. This is it. So I think when it comes to our custom straps, we don't shout about this that much um, because we're primarily a watch company. Um, but we can do everything from you saying, you know what, I love your, your your strap on the website, but I'd like a different size. You know, I'd like it longer or could you do the same, but with white stitching so it's a bit sportier. Yeah, we can do that. That will mm. work out maybe about $100 for the goat's leather, you know. We can go right to the other end where you go, right, I've got this beautiful old trench watch with wire lugs or fixed bars. So I need a strap that can be like attached that way rather than mm. attaching with spring bars. And we can do that. I mean, we, we, oh. work, with, we work with different strap makers. Then, in fact, there's one strap maker we work with in, in the UK who makes straps the traditional way using pigskin and he will sew the strap onto old vintage watches so it's mm. literally oh, permanently wow. attached in the traditional way wow. and for that you know we we did that recently for a guy and he had this had this amazing watch it was it was probably about 25 by 25 square really really ornate lugs 1920s beautiful piece but because of the ornate lugs the lug width was like 12 millimeters what? it was tiny and so if you were fitting a 12 mil strap, it would have been like this big watch with a tiny strap. And 
he was like, the problem is, it will make it look like a lady's watch. I wanted, so what we ended up doing was we, we developed a strap that attached at 12 mil and then came and immediately went to the width of the ornate lugs and then tapered. Mm. And so when you look at it, it was a completely bespoke shape. I mean, there's no way to describe the shape. And yet it was all made by hand and it transformed the watch. And he was like, I can now wear the watch because it looks like a normal watch. Um, but for a lot of people, it's a case of going, show, show us the watch, tell us what the basics are. You know, are we doing a Seiko 19 mil or is it going on a Panerai and it needs to be 24? And then we can start looking at materials, stitching color, linings. I mean, there's 80,000 different color combinations and because we work with artisans, we're not working with just big strap factories out in Asia where they're churning out thousands of straps a day. You know, these straps are handmade. These straps can be, you know, customed and really made down to like, we can make one strap and that's it. So, you know, recently we did a strap for a, a gent who's got this uh, Grand Seiko. It's a beautiful Grand Seiko and mm -hmm. it's got a dark green dial, like forest green, but it's got gold gs logo and a gold star on it and and a gold second hand we were like oh that's nice so what we've ended up doing is making a strap that is forest green leather really really smooth leather matching stitching and the lining is this gold calf leather and only he will see the gold but he knows it's there and that strap cool. has been made 100 for that one watch and in that spec and for me, I think it, it transforms it. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the Grand Seiko bracelets, yeah, they're nice. and But this strap, literally, it means that what he's wearing is all green except for the case of the watch. And that's cool. Mm, that's super cool. And I, you, you, you had mentioned to us uh, previously something about your company, the side of your company, a division, if you will, that not a lot of people know about. So I don't know if you want to share that with people. Yeah, so it's sort of the the kind of, you know, the, the worst kept secret of Fears. We, we have a side of the business called Fears Custom. And it's not really a skunk works, but it's basically where we can experiment, we can do different things. And the, these straps fit into that. Um, but it's also where we do custom watches. So we've done, you know, bespoke dial colors, completely new dial designs from scratch, different finishing um, on cases. And... With all of this, the reason we don't publicize it is because maybe this is a downside of being very British. It's going, if we're making something special for the, for, for the owner, unless they're happy for it to be publicized, it's, it's their watch. You know, it's Makes made sense. for them. The same with the straps, you know, unless someone goes like, oh, yeah, yeah, go on, share it, you know, talk about it. It's about that discretion. You know, the thing is, when we don't talk about our owners you know, we'll reference an owner. We'll say, oh, we've got an owner in California or no, but we don't start sharing details. And it's just that thing of going, actually, it's the classier way of doing it. Like we're, we're yeah. not about, yes, showing, going like, oh, look, we've made a watch with this amazing dial color. And yeah, we know that will probably prompt, you know, half a dozen people to call up and say, I want to buy one. But you're going, well, A, no, because this was made as a piece unique for them. And secondly, it's their watch they've paid for it. They, we, we've worked together with them to design it. It's up to them to choose if they want to share it, but yeah, no, it's not for us. So yeah, fears customers sense. there, but it's just a uh, very, very secret. But I always say to people when they're like, well, what can you do? I say, well, send us an email, test us, go on, push us to our limits. 
Well, I am very Ooh. curious. Uh, speaking of straps, is there any new straps being maybe developed by you guys? And I would be very intrigued to know if you guys have like a stainless steel bracelet because I think your watches look beautiful on on stainless steel as well. NATO, I mean, that's pushing it a little bit. But if knowing you and knowing how you do things, I I, I would imagine if you ever came out with like a single pass nato you would do an amazing job and it would look so beautiful so i'm just curious if there's anything in the works well there's there's a it's going to be a long while before there's a bracelet but i i mean i i i mentioned at the start you know i I bought this cheap bracelet off um off ebay and i do enjoy wearing a bracelet you know i one of the things that i always used to love with my my rolexes and amigas before i sold them was being on a bracelet, you just put it on and forget about it. Yeah. Um, a bracelet one day, but it has to be done right. And I, I also think fundamentally when it comes to bracelets, it's very difficult to reinvent the wheel. There's no point. So look at something like the Oyster Link. I think the Oyster Link, that free part link is sort of the most perfect style of bracelets. You know, it just, it just works. Finishing, that's the key thing. It's always about finishing the quality of the clasp, the polishing, you know, they're the details I get excited about. But in terms of straps, we, we've got a new strap coming out at the end of this month. Um, and it's exciting for a, a few different reasons. So it's made out of our Bristol leather. Um, Bristol leather being leather that's made in Bristol. Uh, big surprise. And um, it's by Britain's oldest vegetable tanner who Fears used to work with back in the 20s because Fears was established in Bristol as well. So right. we restarted that relationship a few years ago and our most premium straps we, uh, uh, we, we sell on our watches and individually are Bristol leather. Very cool. And it's a lovely calf leather. And what's also like, when you smell it, it, it just has that smell. It's like walking into Hermes. It just kind of, the smell hits and you're just like, that's, that's nice. I wouldn't know what Hermes smells like. <laughs> I don't know about you, P, but that's not, no. I, don't, I, don't, I don't go into those stores. I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs> we no, can't well, relate. <laughs> buy, buy, buy a fierce Bristol leather strap and you've got the There experience. you go. That's, <laughs> right, right. You, you got but, that smell all day. <laughs> but what's quite nice with this new one is it's coming out in a color we've not done before. So it's our fourth color and it's color that we actually launched the strap on the new Midas. Um, so we've called it Chocolate Brown. And it's a beautiful, rich, sort of milk dark chocolate color. But what's interesting about this one is we've, all our straps are handmade, but in this one we've done hand stitched as well. Okay. And what that means is basically when we launch it, we'll show, there'll be a video showing the craftsman and he uses one piece of thread and he goes in and out of the strap, which means mm. that traditionally after a strap's been worn for a few years, it begins to split between right. the, the top and the bottom part. Well, this can't happen because both bits are being held together by the same piece of thread. Mm, um, very cool. The other nice thing with this strap, which we've, we've, we've done, it's the first one we've done it for, is usually we line our straps in fierce blue, the corporate color um, in, in calf leather. But on this one, we've actually lined it in fierce blue Alcantara. Okay. So... Alcantara is a wonderful material. Now, part of me doesn't like it because it's synthetic, it's man-made. But what I do love about Alcantara is, and I 
for the reason why it's used by so many people like Porsche and Lamborghini for car seats and, you know, in, in sports cars is you get this lovely soft sort of right. suede-like texture, which is so comfortable on the wrist. I mean, when you put it on, it's like ridiculously comfortable, but it's really hard wearing, like really hard wearing. Right. So you put that, combine it with the hands, hand stitch, and you end up with a strap that is very slim, very elegant, very beautiful, but is actually hiding a lot of technology, which makes it, well, modern tech with the Alcantara and old fashioned tech with the hand sewn and hand stitch combined together. It's sort of a hybrid. And it means you've got a strap that hasn't got any rubber or, or metal in it, but it is, it is hard wearing and very, very smart. So yeah, that launches at the end of uh, the end of October, which is exciting. Um, now it, with that does come a cost increase, you know, it's, it's, not the cheapest strap in the world and you know so it's going to be i think in dollars about 175 okay for a calf leather strap so it's not even an exotic it's calf leather seems like a lot but i think and this is of course the difficulty it's like it seems like a lot until you hold it until you touch it until you're like handling it and then it goes oh this does not look feel smell like any other calf leather strap and I think that's the big thing. I think I, what I'm delighted by is increasingly people are talking about straps on their own. Right. Um, it's interesting you mentioned NATO because I, I'm not a fan of NATO straps. I've never really, really connected with them. I have such skinny little wrists that if I put one on, I end up having to fold it back several times. <laughs> you know. It ends up just going around and around. But um, certainly like a single pass NATO, it could be done well. And I know Tudor... They do their, they don't do a technical NATO strap, but what they do is a single pass where it's, um, it's got the spring bars woven into the strap. Right. And they use a bit of free publicity for Tudor. They use this very, very old French rope maker who makes all the ropes for the, um, the Vatican. And it takes them an hour to weave a yard of this NATO strap. Mm. And it's beautiful when you feel them. They're just silky soft, but really solid, really hard. And to the point that they do somewhere, they integrate silk into it as well. So it's nylon and silk. And when you put that on a more classic, less sporty watch, it actually looks quite dressy. Like it looks really smart. It's sort of your brain is saying to you, maybe it's too feminine. Is it satin? Is it? No, no, it's none of that. It just it's got a really interesting look. Um, I'm not a fan of uh, NATO's on dress watches. On sports watches, fine. But like, yeah, I think it will be a very, 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 very long time uh, before you see Fears ever do a NATO strap. And to be honest, so many people make such amazing NATO straps already. You're kind of like, well, I I don't want to, I don't, it's not an area that I have a right to play in. And so I don't really want to start muddying the water. And again, this is the other thing, like compare, you know, I'm sure we've all bought them, you know, the, the 99 cents NATO straps off eBay. Mm-hmm. Oh, it will yeah. ship in, you know, three to seven weeks and, you know, eventually it turns up one day um, and it's fine. It does its job. And then yeah. you go to yeah. someone else who's selling like a 20 or $30 NATO and you're like, why is this so much more? When you get it, you just, the hardware is solid. It's not made out of tinfoil. Like mm-hmm. it's, it just feels nicer. And it's, it's great to hear that, 
you guys are like you appreciate a good strap because it does make or break a watch oh yeah for sure i, I didn't before sure. to be honest with you and then now I'll, I'll give you a perfect example so my gp right i'm i'm, I'm wearing this thing yeah. it looks really nice and the strap is actually a chinese strap that i bought on ebay and it was nine bucks i i did have them throw in the gold to match the gold but right. it, it looks nice on pictures it looks really cool but it feels so stiff. I mean, I kid you not, it feels so stiff. And, and when I wear it for a while, it, it it does give me like wrist fatigue. And yeah, I would love to get something better for this. And and yeah, I mean, as much as it pains me to say this, I just need to spend a little bit more money on my straps because you're right. I mean, it's it, it, it makes up for 75% of what you're wearing on your wrist. So it doesn't make sense for you to be wearing something cheap when it just it, it, it's comfortability is it's everything you know so so yeah but if you put, like if you were to put that watch on say i would go goat's leather because goat's leather is very very supple but very strong so you can make goat straps very very thin because they oh, wow. still got the, the strength i would go black polished goat's leather with a natural grain i would do no padding so you've got obviously the two bits but no padding which means you've got a really slim strap, monotone wow. stitch, because that's a slim watch. You know, that isn't a, yeah. a chunky watch. So it would really, yeah, exactly. It there it is. He already got it done for you, man. Already I got it done. Super thin right there. Yes, I think, it, honestly, I think this is like a 16 millimeter lug. It's crazy. It's a small little watch, but yeah, very cool. Well, I'll be, I'll be excited, excited to, to see what you come out with next. I know um, mean watches, came out recently with like a dive watch and they introduced like a stainless steel bracelet and the cool thing Mm. is i think that stainless steel bracelet fits on every single one of their previous models and people Mm. are absolutely loving that and and yeah i i think if you did something like that that'll be that'll be super cool but obviously your watches are more on the dressier side but i mean it still works i think but but yeah exciting things for sure (laughs) yeah yeah so very controversial Ooh. topic. About to get into something. Very <laughs> could be a very controversial topic. You know, uh, as someone that designs their own watch, what's your stand on homage watches? Now, the interesting thing with this is this takes me back five years when my when I was first starting out before I'd launched, and I sat down with my trademark lawyer, and we were going through all the process of trademarking, and he said you know what, one day there'll be a moment where I call you up and I say, I've just got a call from Heathrow Airport. They've just impounded a whole bunch of, you know, fake fears watches. You know, we need to go down and start proceedings. And he said, that will be the day that before we do anything else, we'll crack open a bottle of champagne and celebrate the fact that you've made it because someone thinks you're worth worth faking, you know? Uh, Um, And I think that, that goes to the old, you know, the, you know, uh, what was it sort of, uh, being copied is, a, you know, one of the uh, sincerest forms of flattery. Yeah. Um, and I think that is very true. You know, that there is that thing where if someone does something well and people go like, I want it to look like that. That sounds, that, that, that looks great. Uh, homage watches. Okay. So I think the first thing we've got to do right now between the three of us is define exactly what we are saying is a homage as opposed to a <sighs> replica, as opposed to a fake, as opposed to like, you know, something else, because I think too often people get, you Steinhardt, people are like, 
well, you know, a Steinhardt is, you know, a homage to da, da, da. And it's like, yeah, it is. You're just changing the logo. Is that enough? Is, you know. I, I so, think. So what, what do you think? I think it pays respect to the watches coming after, but it has its own detail that separates it from the watch. Okay. But you have watches, homage watches that do not have any distinctive markings whatsoever. And it literally is a replica watch just with a different logo. So I guess defining replica watch is pain. I mean, defining an homage watch is uh, 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 paying homage to something else, but having its own characteristics with just, you know, a sprinkle of, 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 of the DNA of something else. To me, a replica watch is obviously something that looks exactly like the other thing. And if you show it to somebody else that knows nothing about watches, they'll go, I don't know the difference between these things. They look exactly the same. The only difference is the logo on them. And unfortunately, I see a lot of things now, on, especially on YouTube, it's huge, like homage watches. And you look at the watch and it's exact same to the T watch as what it's trying to be. And in my opinion, in my opinion, and I know this is controversial, that's not an homage watch. That's a replica watch with the Pagani design logo or the whatever logo on it. And in my opinion, is there something wrong with that? Maybe not because you want that look without paying the price. And I get so that. I respect right, that's, that. That's the right thing. Like, so I, so I went, flew to Geneva last summer to go to a big uh, watch component fair called EPHJ. It's, it, no consumer would ever go there because it's basically, you go to meet the people who make the sapphire crystals or the winding crowns. I mean, it's, for me, it's paradise, but for most people, they'd be like, well, where are the watches? There's no, the only watches there are on the attendees' wrists. Like, there's no brand, there's nothing to see, right? And on the EasyJet flight out there, you know, so, you know, just cheap, cheap flight out there. Um, I noticed there was a guy sat in the row in front of me and at one point he's sort of like, you know, sort of leaning back like this in his chair and he must've been in his early mid fifties. And he, you know, when I noticed when he'd come in and sat down on the plane, like he just looked, you know, when someone just looks like, you know, he'd got his life together. He was wearing a very smart tailor-made white dress shirt with cufflinks but the cufflinks were very discreet mm. he had silver hair sort of slicked back and he just he oozed confidence and wealth but not in a flashy way in a right. way where he clearly was ceo of somewhere you know i don't know even if he was in the watch industry anyway but what i noticed was when he did this on his wrist um he was wearing a patek ellipse in white gold with a blue dial and one of those white gold integrated bracelets. Mm, so not even nice. a mesh bracelet. You know the ones which are really, the ones that you have to cut it and solder it yes, to yeah. change the size. I, it's not a watch you buy and sell. And it's the reason why on Chrono 24 today, those watches are like six, seven grand for a solid gold hand-wound Patek. It's because you buy it, you're not selling it. You're keeping it for good. Anyway, mm -hmm. and I just saw that and I thought, in a way, it's very dated. I mean, it's so 70s, but it also was just, it suited him down to a T with that beautiful dress cuff and it looked so smart. Anyway, I come back to the UK and the next day I'm like on Chrome 24, discovering that they're, you know, six, 7,000 and going, oh, they're beautiful. But you know, when you go, it's not a watch I would 
wear every day at right. all. Oh, also, I don't have six, seven thousand pounds to spend on it. Yeah. Um, but even if I did have the money, I'm not buying it as a joke because it is a serious, beautiful watch, but it isn't something I'm buying and I'm going to get much wrist wear out of. So I just, I wouldn't even bother going, oh, I'll save up and buy one. Cause I'm like, no, 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 I, I've got watches I want to save up and buy for. Fast forward to this year and a chap I know in London who deals in watches, he got a very interesting watch in and it's a Crador from the 1980s. Ooh, okay. So Crador are um, made by Seiko right. and they're, Nowadays, they sit above Grand Seiko, but in the 80s, they were like alongside Grand Seiko. So basically, it's like a Grand Seiko. But whereas Grand Seiko would have a distinct look, Cradle were much dressier in their style. And this watch is dark blue dial, ellipse, two-hand, baton, integrated bracelet, basically identical to the Patek. The difference is it's stainless steel, it's um, Seiko quartz as opposed to a manual wind, which meant that the price was like ridiculously lower. You know, it was the sort of money where you go, yeah, I'll just buy it and get the workshop to chop the bracelet up and break. <laughs> and it, it's currently having the bracelet um, resoldered so that I can wear it. Oh, so you um, got the watch. I bought it. Yeah, yeah, I bought it. And I, I hadn't intended Congrats. to buy it. You know, when you just, I put it on and the way I was looking at it, I was like, looking at it on my wrist i immediately was back on that plane looking at this guy thinking that's cool that looks really cool and i thought actually you know what what seiko did here or credor in the 80s is they basically made a total homage to that patek but mm. they made it in steel mm. with a quartz and so it's a fraction of the price but that style of watch was very much what Patek were doing back in the 70s. So you're looking at it and going, yeah, but, you know, at the same time, it's still a cradle and it's finishing. The, the polishing and brushing is superb. The dial is gorgeous. The bracelet is out of this world. I mean, it's so finely made. But it's still a homage to the 18 karat white gold, like real McCoy. And... I realize that I'm wearing it. And, you know, I, I showed a few uh, friends some photos of it and they immediately said, oh my goodness, it's a Patek. And I was like, no, 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 it's mm. not. So it's interesting that people immediately associate it. And so this has made me question myself literally in the last like week about homage. And I realized that if someone said to me, yeah, but that's just a homage. I really don't care because I want that look for the one day a month when I'm wearing a white dress shirt and I know I want a really dressy looking watch and I want to feel like that guy on the plane. And this watch allows me to maybe 12 times a year feel like that guy on the plane because I'm wearing the watch because it's got that look and it reminds me of that. But I know I'm not actually fooling anyone. Like I'm not going to, you know, it does not say Patek on the dial. It says Crador Seiko. You know, it's, I'm not going around going like, oh, look at this. You know, I'm a baller wearing my, you know, no, no, there's none of that. But I also know that I would just, I, I can't imagine being a point in my life where I could go, oh, I can buy a watch for six, seven grand. And it wouldn't even be the nicest watch in my collection. It would just be something I wear a handful of days a year. Just, <laughs> that's not me. Like, I'm not going to do that and spend that money. Um, so to kind of answer your, your, your original question, Pete, like with homage, I think it's very easy, especially because we're open to the world of how much watches cost. You know, we, you know, very quickly you're like, oh, the new Submariner is $9,000. Of course it is. You stop and you go, 
$9,000. Like how many people don't even earn $9,000 a year, right? You know, and so you go, well, if you are in a position where you go, I, I will never be able to afford it, or it's going to be years before I can afford it, and I want to enjoy the sensation building up to that, then I think a homage works. I think if it's a homage where you're trying to start justifying, going, oh, well, you know what? I think this is better than the, the original Submariner because, you know, it's using as good a steel and as good a... No, 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 no. Let's, let's not try saying that the homage is better. Let, let's not do that. But let's enjoy the fact that, you know, it is, you know, it gives you that look for less. And yeah. that's fine. It's like same with clothing, you know, some, some clothing or, or certainly with like designer accessories, they give that look. As long as it's not an outright fake, as long as it's not ripping off the, the, the intellectual property, you know, I go, actually, you know, you see sometimes people have got like bags and, and it's not the Louis Vuitton, but it's kind of like got a random pattern that looks a bit like a Louis Vuitton pattern. And there's a bit of me which is like, yeah, but at the end of the day, that person may never be able to afford the real thing. But yeah, if it yeah. makes them feel good, and as long as it isn't hurting anyone, and that's where homage is a grey area, because my Crador Seiko is made in Japan. It's It was made in Japan in the 80s. It was not made, no, no one got hurt making that watch. Right. Um, whereas, you know, buying a, like a, a homage bag in <laughs> corner, you don't know where that's made. You don't know what those, what that money is funding. It could be funding crime and terrorism and certainly fake watches and counterfeit watches do that. Um, but I think, you know, if you're going, well, actually, if someone like Steinhardt, which is a proper legitimate company, you know, they're not a fly by night Instagram operation. If they're actually making something and it gives you that look and it makes you feel good and it's costing a fraction of the price and no one is being hurt along the way, then I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I'm, I'm sure I'll get a lot of hate for that, but I just can't get angry with that because actually, you know, someone the other day sent me a photo. They bought a, um, it was a quartz cushion case watch with a white dial and a small seconds. And they sent me a picture of it and they said, oh, you're going to, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I can't yet buy the Brunswick, but this is what I've got for the next year until I can. <laughs> like, that is great. Like at the end of the day, what, I can't even remember. It was like, a, it was, it was one of these sort of fashion watch brands. You know, it was like a number. And obviously that watch was not made to like rip off my design. Like, you know, it's yeah. uh, as much as I'd like to be as is of that size, <laughs> we're, we're not. Um, Got it. It gave that person for the time being that kind of feeling and, and getting used to the look. And, and I was like, good on you. Great. That's wonderful. You know, if hopefully one day they will buy the fears, even if they don't like you know they're not hurting anyone by doing that yeah for sure all right guys what's your thoughts on what i've just said like you know do you agree or or do you think there's holes in that i mean no i I totally agree with that yeah for sure i agree with everything you said man i i just i I guess it also comes down to the finishing right i know some chinese watches are very well finished but some are not so they're homage but they're garbage at the same time so i still don't like homage watches that look exactly like something else if it kind of resembles it but has its own things i'm cool with it but if it looks exactly like it it makes me personally feel like it's too much of a replica but anyway uh so nick we got about five minutes left so (laughs) let's talk other things do you got anything you want to share 
Um, there, I mean, I've already given away the big thing about our, our new watch strap coming out. Um, exciting for us is we're about to send to print our new printed book, um, or as Fears called it, the International Catalogue. Okay. Uh, this will be the 440th edition that Fears has ever published, which is uh, rather exciting. So if anyone wants a copy, make sure to go to the, our website and sign up for one. We send them. We send out hundreds around the world for free. We need so, some. Uh, cool. We need some. Sign I'll us up. I'll definitely do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sign us yeah, up for, for sure. sure. Very cool. P. Ross. Uh, nothing, fellas. Go get a manicure and a pedicure, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is amazing. You know yes. what I'm saying? Just, just go do it. Don't worry about what people got to say, fellas. Get the clear nail polish. You know what I'm saying? You know, get whatever you want, but. It's great. It's great. It's, it is great. It is very cool. So speaking yes. about being frugal, I was going to buy a webcam. We recently started recording the podcast to put them on YouTube and I started researching cameras and this and that, but there's just so much money that, or so many other pieces of equipment that I want for like my recording, like more better lenses and this and that. So I was like, man, I'm going to spend like 50 to $70 on a webcam that's kind of insane. So I was on YouTube and I love YouTube because you can find a bunch of things and people were like, just use your phone as a webcam. I was like, how does that mm -hmm. even work? So you just download an app. Uh, I forget what it's called, Droid something. And then you download it on your computer and it syncs up and voila. So I'm using my phone as a webcam and all I had to get was a tripod that cost me like 10 bucks and I have it in front of me. So yeah, if you need something and you don't have the money, there is other ways of getting it. So Go ahead and do that. But uh, Nick, where can people find you? Where can they find the company? Uh, so, yeah, you can find Fears. Um, our website's fearswatches.com. Um, on Instagram, we're very simply fearswatches. Um, and if you want to ever see any of the behind the scenes, what I get up to, a few sneak peeks of things on, on the way, then I'm on Instagram as well, personally, as just Nicholas Bowman Scargo. So come okay. come and have a follow. Come have a chat with me. I I reply to every message. So uh, eventually, he, he really does. He really does. Piras, Ross Ross Watch Love everywhere. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Sounds good. And SoCal Watch Reviews for me on uh, YouTube, on Instagram, and Relojeando's my Spanish channel for all my for all my fellow Hispanics. So Nick. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We appreciate Thank you very much for having me again. It's a pleasure to no, you and, and hopefully we'll have you plenty of times. And we uh, we're almost at episode fifty, so we'll we'll definitely have you back. We 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 we're getting some traction. Uh, people are showing some love, and and it's awesome. So, <laughs> absolutely. So, all right, guys. Well, as always, stay humble. <laughs>